Well, how are you? I got something pretty exciting to talk to you about today. And that is out of the book of Revelation, the seventh chapter. Would you turn with me, please? I learned something this week that I think has really changed my whole thought process. Uh, change is the wrong word. But has really um, fueled, I, guess, I think is a better word, my whole passion of what, what we are going through now here on this earth. Uh, I, I convinced you, I think before, that, that, that what John is seeing is, is unbelievable to him. There are so many people coming that have come out of the great tribulation, so many believers that he can't even count them all. Now that to me is so encouraging because I worry about, I, uh, listen, look, at, look what's happening in our world today. I don't know if this is near the end times. I don't know. Nobody knows. Only the Lord knows. But the signs of the time are just amazing. What's happening in our world. How, how all countries are starting to fall to their knees, so to speak. And in, 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 in wondering how are we going to make ends meet. How is everything. How, it's, just, it's just beyond my wildest dream. I have not seen anything like it in my lifetime uh, that have, have brought so many things to focus. And yet, if this is the time, let's say for instance this is, let's say the Lord would take us to be raptured up into heaven itself. What about our loved ones? I always was concerned about that. Well, I believe that the Bible answers clearly that they're going to have a wonderful opportunity to come to Christ. Granted, it's not going to be easy. As it says in verse 9, they, they will, or it said I think in the other uh, part, how they would be martyred. There, there, there would be souls that would be martyred there in heaven itself. And, and, and I want to read to you out of, out of chapter 7, starting with verse 9 to verse 17. And I want you to listen to the heartbeat of John. Remember in verse 1, when he says, After this, well, after this was the six seals had fallen upon this earth, and it was a great judgment of, of God upon the planet earth. And, and, and it was a t it's a terrible time. It's a time that none of us want to be a part of. It, it is, will be very, very horrendous. Well, after this, then John saw the Lord gather together 144,000 of his bond-sealed servants of his that would be evangelists throughout the world. And then, after those numbers were chosen, then John says in verse 9, after these things, in other words, after these people were chosen, he says in verse 9, I looked and behold... A great multitude, which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and people and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches, were in their hands. And they cry out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. It says in verse 11, All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell on their faces before the throne and they worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Or so be it. 
And then in verse 13, one of the elders answered, saying to John, These who are clothed in white robes, who are they? Where have they come from? And John said to him, My Lord, you know. And the elders said to John, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne shall spread his tabernacle over them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. Neither shall the sun beat down on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb in the center of the throne shall be their shepherd, and shall guide them to springs of waters of life. And God shall wipe every tear from their eyes. This is a this is a magnificent place in Scripture. I, I pray that I will be able to explain to you what John sees and, and why he is just, he is beyond himself. As he, as he says in verse 9, Behold, in other words, he's like startled, look how many people have come to Christ. And when the Lord says in, in, in the va- last verse of chapter 7, when it says that, that God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, it's, it's no wonder. I, I pleaded with you last week and the week before, if you're investigating Jesus Christ, if you're investigating this whole idea of Christianity, now is the time to come. Today's the day of salvation. Don't put it off. If, in fact, the church will be raptured, if, in fact, it happens, like the Bible says, in a twinkling of an eye, then if you've not made your decision for Christ, to come to Christ after that event is going to be a difficult time for people. I want you to look with me and see how difficult it will become. Look at chapter 20 for, an inst- for just a, a second, just one verse. I was going to add this in at the end of the, or or kind of more in the middle end of the message, but I thought, you know, let let me just share with you why why our Lord says He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. It says in chapter 20 and verse 4, John says, I saw thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of the testimony of Jesus and because of the Word of God. I won't go on and read any more of that. It is sufficient to know that. It is, a, it is a time of great, great trouble upon this earth for any and every single person who will give their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And it will be a time to come to Him, and many and many and many will come. So many, John says, he can't count them, them all. But I don't want you, I don't want you to put off what is inevitable. Come to Christ today. Don't don't come when you have to be martyred. Come now, live for Christ today. Because there is a purpose for our lives, as, as I'm going to explain again today in this message. And so I beg of you, listen closely to what John has to say to us in this the last part of the chapter of 7 of of, uh, of this great, great place in Word of God. I, I am more impressed with this place in Scripture than in, than in almost any other place I've been so far in the book of Revelation. Let me pray with you first. Father, please, would you do as we ask most every week here, and that is would you open up our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things from your law, 
teach us, Lord, as only you can. I ask you and I beg of you, Father, with all the seriousness of my heart, please move me aside. Um, I understand that I'm speaking. I understand all of that. Father, I know it well. But I, I just pray that you would kind of move me aside so that when we hear what, what is being said out of this particular chapter, we won't hear it as if from a human, but really from your heart. That, that's what we'd love to hear. That you might speak to each of us as, as individuals and, and, and meet us where we need to be met even right now. There's far too many here this morning at this service for me to try to touch each person individually. There's, that needs to be your hand upon us. So, Lord, please... Open up our eyes so that we can behold these wonders. Move me aside so that we can hear from you. And bless this time, please, Father. In Jesus' most precious name, I pray. Amen. Back to chapter 7. Let's talk. There's going to be a coming great tribulation. That's the truth. And during this tribulation, there's going to be a worldwide response to the gospel from the 144,000 bond-sealed servants of God, these Jewish men. And this, this event, this time during these seven years, is going to far exceed any other call to Christ in the history of mankind it's going to sweep the globe. It's going to produce a vast multitude of redeemed people, believers. As, as verse 9 tells us, they're going to come from every nation, from every tribe, from every people, from every tongue. Across this world, people are going to be coming to Christ. It'll make this event, during the tribulation, the greatest movement of God's saving grace the world will ever see. It fulfills what, what Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. He says, The gospel of the kingdom of God shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. And so we are in that process. We are looking at that time right now. And I mentioned to you last week what I want to reiterate today, but I'm going to use a different verse. This week I'm going to use 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. 1 Timothy says this, 2-4, God desires for all people to be saved. That's the truth. God desires for every single one of us to be saved. And then it says, the rest of that verse, and then to come to the knowledge of the truth. As I said last week, your part, my part, our part as human beings is to accept Jesus Christ and what he has done for us upon the cross, shedding his blood for our sin. We come to him and we trust in him for salvation. That's our part. The church's part is to help us grow in the knowledge of the truth, it says. The truth. Not just truth, but the truth. And the truth is, is the truth that the apostles left with us. It is the, the truth that the apostles gave to the church when they started the church in Jerusalem some 2,000 years ago. And they were... They bent the church upon and around the whole teaching of the apostles, teaching the word that was given to the apostles from Jesus Christ. And that's what we're to do. And so our part as a church is to help you and me grow in the knowledge of the truth. 
In the great tribulation, God is going to put on display his eternal salvation in the most unique way because it's going to be during Satan's fury, if you would, against mankind. All the while, the Holy Spirit will be removed. We are taught in 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter, the seventh verse, Paul writes, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he, meaning the Holy Spirit, who now restrains, he will do so until he is taken out of the way. Basically, what, what Paul is saying there is this, this terrible state of lawlessness is going to run amok one of these days. It's, it's bad enough now, but it's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing like it's going to be once the church is raptured out of here. Because the moment the church is raptured out, we are removed, then we are, through the Holy Spirit that reigns and lives within us, we are the buffer against sin upon this earth in which we live. Or at least we're supposed to be. And so that's why you and I have got to come to be saved, and you and I have got to come to the knowledge of the truth, so that we understand what it is we're to live like on this earth, so as to represent our Lord. We're supposed to do that. The Bible tells us in 1 John 4, 4, as greater is he who is in us than he who is in this world. But what, what Paul was writing is that soon the Holy Spirit will be taken out and we, the church, will be taken out and then lawlessness will, will run amok. It's in the midst of this time of great horror and fear that God will save people to the extent that was previously unknown and for two reasons. One for Israel. You see, back when we said last week in, in the Abrahamic covenant, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3, God said, Abram, I want you to leave your relatives, I want you to leave your country, I want you to go to a place that I have chosen for you. He says, where you go, he says, I want you to bless all the people. That's in the second verse. He says, I, anyone that, 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 that curses you, I'll curse. Anyone that you bless, I'll bless. And then he says in the third verse, I want you to be a blessing to all people on this earth. That was the call of Israel. Well, Israel blew it. So then God says in the end of times, he's going to, verse in Zechariah, the 12th chapter, the 10th verse, just listen to it, listen closely. God says, I'm going to pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication so that they will look on me whom they have pierced, namely Jesus Christ, and they will mourn for me as one mourns for an only son. They will weep bitterly over Jesus Christ like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. That will be the fulfillment for Israel one day. Just as God said you were supposed to do in the Abrahamic covenant to go into the world and bless the world, God says during that time I'm going to show you exactly who I am and you will mourn over the one whom you've pierced. In other words, you're going to mourn over missing the Messiah. For the Gentiles, Paul predicts in Romans chapter 11 verse 25, I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery. I don't want you to be wise in your own estimation. 
he says a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. For us, that will be a fullness. People will come. There will be myriads and myriads of people who will come to Christ during the Great Tribulation. It, it is so freeing to me. I always felt before that 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 there would be people once the church was raptured that they didn't have any hope. That is so not true. There will be myriads of people that come to Christ. The only problem with that is, is they will be martyred for their faith during those days. God promised to bless Israel and He promised the salvation to the Gentiles through Israel. I want you to see this is not something strange to Israel. They understood and knew it. The psalmist wrote of it. Hold your place here. Look in the middle of the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, the 67th chapter. I want you to read the seven verses with me in that particular chapter. You see, Israel knew better. They cried out to God, but they were to cry out to God for a reason. Just as you and I are to cry out to God, we are to cry out to God to bless us. Bless Oasis, Father. Bless this ministry that we have. Bless this church. Why? For our good? No. So that we might reach the world. Watch. Watch what Israel prayed for when they had their senses. It says in Psalm 67, verse 1, God, Israel speaking, be gracious to us, bless us, cause your face to shine upon us. Why? Verse 2, so that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all the nations. Listen, verse 3. Let the people praise you, God. Let all the people praise you. Let the nations be glad. Let them sing for joy, for you will judge the people with uprightness, and you will guide the nations on the earth. Let's just jump down to the seventh verse, because verses 5 and 6 say basically the same thing. Verse 7. God blesses us so that all the ends of the earth may fear him. That word fear can be respect or love or no. God wanted to bless Israel so that all of this nation, all of this earth, Jew and Gentile alike, would know, fear, respect, and love Him. Now in the church age, church, this is our responsibility now. God has given this to us to reach people for the cause of Christ, to at least make them familiar with the gospel so that if we do be taken away, if we are raptured into heaven that they would know the things that we told them so that when these 144 evangelists tell them about the Messiah they will fall on their knees and accept him even though they will be martyred. This is our responsibility. Listen to Isaiah. Again the Old Testament. God says through Isaiah it's too small a thing that you should be my servant to rise up the tribes of Jacob and restore and preserve the ones of Israel. In other words, it's, I'm too great. It's, it's, it's too big of a, a, a package for you just to keep it for yourselves, Israel. No, he says, I will also make you a light to the nations so that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Paul says in Romans, the New Testament Paul asks this rhetorical question, is God the God of the Jews only? No, he says, he is not. He is the God of the Gentiles also, Paul writes in Romans chapter 3, verse 29. 
So in the book of Revelation, the seventh chapter, verses 9 to 17, describe these vast number of people in the world from every nation, tribe, people, and tongue, Jew and Gentile alike, who will be saved during this time of tribulation. That ought to be a, a great encouragement for you and me. It, a very reason for us to share our faith with our loved ones. And so John says in verse 9 what he said in verse 1. In verse 1 he says, after this. In other words, after those six sealed judgments of God. Now, after God has chosen these 144,000 evangelists, he says again in verse 9, after these things, behold, he says. Now this is a statement of it. Of startment, of, of, of amazement. Behold, he says, look, he says, I see a great number which no one could count. They're in white robes. That means they have salvation, their righteousness. They're dressed the same as the churches in heaven. White robes, washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. And they're holding palm branches, which is a sign of, of victory and rejoicing. And this great multitude that, that, that John sees cries out to the Father and to the Son. Look at verse 10. They say salvation. King James, the next word is belongs, which I like there. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And look what takes place in verse 11. John sees the angels and the elders. Now, We've made a statement and we've made a, a case that the elders are what the church is called once we get to heaven. There's no mention of church again until I think the 16th or the 19th chapter. I'll have to recheck. But not until later in the book of Revelation. You do not see the church mentioned, not on earth nor in heaven. But you see mentioned elders. I believe that's what we are called once we are raptured to heaven itself. And so he says in verse 11, I see angels and I see the elders or the church or believers. And he says, I see the four living creatures. They're all falling on their faces before God and they are worshiping him. Saying in verse 12, Amen or so be it. Blessings, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, power, might. All of it are yours, God, forever and ever. Again, they end with Amen or so be it. Now you... You've got to think in, in respect to what John said. John said, I looked and behold, amazed. You've got you to sense what a, what a joy it was, must have been for John to collectively see worshiping in heaven angels standing side by side with redeemed human beings standing alongside of these four living creatures, all of them collectively worshiping God together. And so John exclaims and is, is shocked by saying, Behold. You've got to understand, John was getting older now. He was an aged apostle. He was the last survivor of the twelve. He has been banned to the island of Patmos, alone, isolated by himself, wondering what's going on on this earth. And then all of this starts to happen to him. All of these visions start to appear to him. He feels, I think before that, he must have felt very isolated, very alone, very wondering what's happening to the church, what's happening to the believers. You know, he, true, he saw, along with Paul and Timothy and Titus, many come to Christ. They founded churches together. Yet for the most part, the churches that they founded were small, they were persecuted, and they were 
in disarray. We learn that through the study of 1 Corinthians. We see it in Galatians. We see always there's people at each other's throat within the body of Christ. And so now John sees in a vision this vast multitude of redeemed people singing praises to God, standing shoulder to shoulder. It had to be a thrilling experience for him. Because, think it through, what did John just write in chapters 2 and 3? He wrote about seven churches, right? How many of those seven churches were doing well? Just two of them. Just two of them. The remaining, the other five God placed a curse upon them and judged them because they were, they were not living as they had ought to live. They had become followers after false worship, false prophets, and all of that. And he was watching that, and he's writing about that taking place. And for John now to see this vision of angels and believers and the four living creatures all praising God together in harmony, it must have been a, a, a Pure joy for him, realizing that the church survived. People from all the nations were saved. Great numbers worshiping God together in peace and in harmony. It, it had to be so special for John, because John knows what we know. John, John read scripture as well. He knew that Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate. He says, because Jesus said the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter that way. Rather, he says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 14, the gate is small, the way is narrow that leads to life, and few are it of few are those who find it. Also in Matthew chapter 22, verse 14, it says, Many are called, but few are chosen. And so John had to see these churches declined. He, he had to know that they were falling apart as far as he could see, and all of a sudden these great crowds are standing before him, redeemed. It, it had to be just a thrilling experience for him. And now, out of nowhere comes this elder. I believe it's one of the believers. And I believe the question that he asks John was not purely for John, but for us as well, so that we could learn what is being done. He comes to John, and he asks a question, I think, for us as well as for John. He says in verse 13, The elders answered and said to me, These who are clothed in white, who are they? Where have they come from? And John shows this person great respect by calling him Lord, which is like saying Sir, but on a much higher level. And John says in verse 14, My Lord, you know. In other words, I don't know. And then he answered and said to John, These are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation, John. They've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, Part of this is so exciting to me is the, in the Greek, the words, the ones who come out of. Now, I'm going to tell you what it translates to say, but I don't have a clue. I, I don't. I, I, I took English in school and all of that, but I just didn't do all that good. You think you did kind <laughs> of average. I would have been looking at your paper. <laughs> In verse 14, it says, the one who comes out, it translates to mean the present durative participle. I don't even know what that means. I just wrote it down and 
because it was in my commentaries. It's of the verb E-R-C-H-O-M-I-A, which means come out of. What it means is it's a prolonged process of time. Coming out of for a prolonged process of time. In other words, they come to heaven over a period of time. This group, what the elder is saying to John, what the, the church member is saying to John, if he is a church member, is saying this group is going to keep on growing. These are the people who are being martyred and die and, and on earth and will be brought up to heaven during the tribulation. Therefore, why is that so exciting to me and should be to you? Because the rapture of the church is not a part of verses 13 and 14. I believe that's why he asked John to teach you and me. Because the rapture is a single, instantaneous, sudden event. And I believe the writer let us know that these people who are on earth, who are coming out of, are not the ones who were raptured. They're the ones who have died on earth during the tribulation, and they are now coming to, this, the, to, to heaven, but not as a part of the rapture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 and 52, Paul tells us, Behold, I'm going to tell you a mystery, he writes. Not all of us are going to sleep or die. We will all, though, be changed, he says. We will be changed, he says in verse 52, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. The trumpet's going to sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we also will be changed. Changed, that is, in a twinkling of the eye. So the elders' description of these believers who are on earth, who are coming out of the earth, clearly distinguishes them from any other group of redeemed people throughout history. They are a different group of people. So it's simple to surmise that if these folks were a part of the church age, then the elder would have identified them as their church members, John. They're part of the church that is coming out. But they're not. John knew about the church. John says, I don't know who they are. You know, it's really interesting. I... I was led by Dr. J. Vernon McGee to a place that I had never, I've read, I've read and I've read and read, but I've never read before. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 32, he breaks up believers into three groups. I never knew that before. He breaks them up into the groups of Jews, Greeks, and the church. Listen to what, listen to what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, 32. He says, Give no offense neither to Jew, nor to Greek, nor to the church of God. In the Great Tribulation, Dr. J. Vernon McGee writes, we come to a period where there are two groups mentioned on earth, Jews and Gentiles, period. The church is not mentioned at all. So where is the church, he asks? He says it's in heaven with the Lord. The church has been raptured. Also, we can see that the salvation will never change. You know, salvation was the same in the Old Testament as it is in the New Testament as it is in the future. Salvation always came by faith. Faith in the Old Testament by the blood of an animal. They shed the blood of an animal 
and that was shed for the forgiveness of their sin, and they believed by faith that took away their sin. In the New Testament, you and I don't need to shed the blood of an animal anymore. The blood that has been shed for us that live now in this, the church age, that was the blood that was shed upon the cross. You can't see it probably from over there from all of that, but the cross is back there where Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross and shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sin. And so when, when John writes in chapter 7 that these uh, are, are the ones who had, in verse 14, they've been... They've come out of the tribulation. They're not been raptured. And they've had their robes washed and made white in the blood of the Lamb. They come the same way as you and I do. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22 tells us, Without the shedding of blood there is what no forgiveness. And in the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11 tells us, The life of the flesh is in the blood. God says, I have given you blood on the altar for, for an atonement. In other words, a payment for your sin. You see, it's always been the shedding of blood. Always. Old Testament animal. New Testament, our Lord. The Lamb of God that John the Baptist saw who takes away the sin of this world through His blood. He gives you salvation the same way throughout Scripture. Then, today, forever. Faith. Faith in Christ. That's how you come. That's how we want you to come. I mean, no, that's how the Lord wants you to come. Faith. Now let's finish this up. Look at verses 15, 16, and 17, the remaining minute and a half. We see before His throne that we serve Him, it says in verse 15, day and night. That's an unending service. Can't wait. What does He want us to do? I don't know. And what, do we do? what does He do for us in return? He says in verse 15 that He will protect us. He who sits on the throne will spread His tabernacle over us. And then He tells us in verse 16 there will be no more hunger. No more hunger, I should say, excuse me. No more thirst. And the sun shall not beat down, or neither should the heat. In other words, no more suffering. Why? Verse 17. Because the Lamb... Jesus Christ is in the center of the throne. He'll be our shepherd and he'll guide us to springs of water of life. And God will wipe every tear from our eyes. It is an amazing, amazing Savior that we have. It's an amazing place in Scripture, in my opinion, to understand what does it really mean for the church to be raptured. I think, I think that, that John just solidified in our hearts that we will not go through the tribulation. But what he's trying to have us do is to save as many people as we can. To reach out to our community. Like these six young people that came to Christ. Who knows amongst them if the Lord should tarry. If there's another Billy Graham or Betty Graham in the group that will just reach this world for the cause of Jesus Christ. Who knows? I pray that that's true. I pray in the meantime you and I will come to Christ. Trust in Him and believe Him. That's our part. He desires for none of us, none of us to perish. He desires that we come to Christ. And then what He desires for us as a church is what Dr. Kent said that so graciously that we do here, and that's teach the Word. That you and I would come to the knowledge of the truth. And the only way you and I will come to the knowledge of the truth is to have the truth taught as clearly as possible. I thank you 
I thank you from the bottom of my heart for allowing me that privilege of teaching the Word. You've never once asked me not to do anything but. I love you for that. love you more than you'll ever know. Father, we want to thank you for just the study of your Word. It's, it's, it comes together. It starts to flow. By now, Father, this great book of Revelation is starting to move on its own. I can sense it in my own spirit. It's taken its life. And now, Father, we're just holding on to study it as best we can. Move us through the rest of this book, Father. Teach us through some very difficult points ahead of us because what's going to happen on this earth is going to be quite, um, quite disastrous. It's not going to be very pretty. It's, it's reason enough for us to come to Christ now and warn our family, warn our loved ones, warn our friends, warn our enemies, warn everyone that they need to come to Christ. In the meantime, would you bless us wherever you might take us from here today. Thank you for everyone here. God bless our kids. God bless the families. Uh, and, and just thank you, Lord, for the people of this church. I love them more than life itself. I pray you bless us all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I love you all so much. God bless you. Have a great, great day.